Shut up, I love it. Hello, this is Sasha, and this is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite a guest to talk about something underrated, underappreciated in the world, but this time, it's not the case. We're going to talk about something very popular, so what are you going to do? I don't know. It's just one of those days, guys. We got very special guests who are kind of taking on as uh, fans' seats, you can say co-host seats, so I'll introduce them first. We've got... Heidi Gardner of SNL. Woo! <laughs> All right. Just just me getting excited. <laughs> we got Zeb Wells of Supermansion, Robot Chicken, and She-Hulk. What a get. We've got what are you uh, I mean, just so lucky. I, I, I can't, I can't. It's, it's like so early here in LA and I'm very excited. I just did 10 jumping jacks and I'm pumped. And most importantly, most important. we've got a most importantly, we've got a very, very special guest. We're so lucky to have her. I think I'm gonna get her name right, but I'm gonna, either way, I'm gonna try my best. People don't get my name right ever. Uh, welcome, Nikki Von Schindel of Alone Season 6. Hello. Woo! Everyone. Did I get your name right? Pretty close, it's Van Schindel, I- but close enough. All right, Nikki. So let's just start. We've got Zeb and Heidi who are fans of the show. So am I. You're the star here. What's going on? Where are you, first of all? I'm just staring at the black screen with the name Nikki on it on Zoom. Well, <laughs> and I, I want to know where you at. <laughs> I'm in the middle of the Rockies in the wilderness. So miracle that there's even some sort of internet connection going on. Uh, but we have like repeaters on top of mountains and uh, made this happen. Um, I'm doing some survival consulting and guiding for some people up here. And yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful country. Nikki, can you uh, take us through like what the survival industry looks like? Because you, you've you been doing this for a while now, right? And I think before the show, I don't think me or Heidi knew that that, that was a job or or what is going on out there in the woods that we don't know about. So can you just take us through what 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 your job is, like what you were doing before alone and now what you're doing now? Yeah, so basically I started learning about survival skills probably 20 years ago. And my mother thought I had, you know, jumped off the deep end, had no idea what was going on. Um, there was absolutely no jobs to learn anything. You had to write letters to people that you thought maybe knew how to make stinging nettle rope. And then I actually got a job (laughs) teaching kids. (laughs) So I did that for a while, but basically up until, yeah, you know, COVID probably and alone. uh, Yeah, there wasn't really an opportunity for us. We're kind of this fringe group of people that, you know, meet at random gatherings around the country. And then, you know, since COVID, I'm I'm seriously in demand. I'm gonna be making some good money, I think here pretty soon since people I've realized how little we are connected to nature again. So I think I'm sitting in the hot seat right now, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that 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 was what was so great about the show. And I think I I know it came into me and Heidi's lives at the right time when we were kind of forced to be inside for a long time. And then suddenly there's this show about people that (laughs) refuse to be inside and will do anything (laughs) in their power to be outside. Uh, it just seemed to come along at, at a really good time for a lot of people, and I think it's making a big splash, and, and not just as an entertainment thing, but kind of waking people up to uh, the, the wilderness that's out there. Yeah, and similarly to Zeb, so Nikki, yeah, like my husband Jay and I, like we discovered alone thanks to Zeb bringing it up as a topic for this podcast. And we were just like, what is this? Like, we don't watch reality shows. Like, we've worked in reality on reality shows a bunch, like garbage. <laughs> and like, we just like, don't want to even like, tr- we like immediately were like, this is the best thing that happened. Like, <laughs> like ever. Like when I was little, I used to love more than any other book is Jack London's books. And so to me, it was just like that, like survival in the wilderness, man against nature, a woman against nature in that case, yeah. It's so interesting, Nikki, that you, I find it interesting people that had to learn things, you know, like a niche uh, discipline that they had to learn before YouTube or before you could just hop online (laughs) 
and learn everything. Oh so, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. so, it took me like a year to learn how to start a bow drill. You know, I mean, just all by yourself. Yeah, were you like trying to track down books or were you tracking down people or a little bit of both? You just had to keep your ears, eyes and ears open for anyone that could teach you anything? Yeah, it was absolutely like that. It was crazy. You'd, you'd like hear someone or you'd see some, I saw like an ad in a local new, newspaper about birding one day and I was like, oh, maybe this person knows something about you know, nature and, you know, I wasn't exactly, uh, grew up as a outdoors kid. So I was more of a real city-fied girl and calling up these outdoor schools and going there and, you know, not having my wool and my camouflage or anything and not really fitting in very well at all. And, uh, yeah, learning stuff like the bow drill, I think it took me a year. You know, you're like, oh, hey, can yeah. I get one question answered? And it would take forever to responses and you're just sitting there you know sweating trying to figure out how to do these things so there was like <laughs> deeper level perhaps than you know our expertise after we watched two youtube videos how humans yeah do yeah <laughs> so i think there was like a deeper <laughs> like a deeper level of understanding and and really kind of mastering something perhaps you know yeah yeah you earned that knowledge and the pull, the pull to get into this stuff, can you trace that to a movie you watched or a book you read or was it something deeper inside? Was it something that you can't really put a finger on that just kind of drew you to this stuff? Uh, no, there was like a series of events for sure. I mean, when I was a little kid, um, like Sasha, I read My Side of the Mountain um, and it was about this mm. kid who ran away from home and you know, lived off the land. And I was like, oh, I want to be Sam Gribbley. Um, and then, you know, my uncle bought me a pony and I never thought about the woods again for probably half my life. But um, then I had um, I had some incredible experiences in nature. Like one, one day um, I was, you know, hiking out in my backyard. I had a pretty cool house backed up onto, um, just hundreds of acres of land and I was wandering back there and thought oh my gosh I'm gonna start learning a little bit more about nature and I decided to have like a my first sleep out in nature you know just a sleeping bag and I thought oh my gosh this is crazy why would I do this and um so I did I just packed up the sleeping bag I had no idea about nature at all it was super scary but I wanted to like face my fears of the dark and you know cougars and all these things how old are you then I'm probably 20 25 maybe 24 and so i wander out in the woods you guys just like i'm losing my mind this is so scary and i just randomly walked off the trail a couple feet and just got into a sleeping bag and waited for it to be dark and then that night i heard something coming down the trail and i'm just freaking out i had no flashlight because i'm you know i'm trying to face my fears of the dark and um uh, this cougar walks up to my sleeping bag and starts circling around it and obviously i'm think I'm going to get eaten at any moment. It's like my greatest fear of the forest. And then it, Whoa. it curls up beside me. You know, I'm like, no. what? yeah, this oh, giant animal. I don't actually at the time know what it is. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm lying there and it just starts purring. No. And this no. rumbling purr. And I, I just about lost it, but it's right there, you know, lying beside him. I'm not moving. I'm trying to hold my breath. <laughs> I think Heidi's crying. <laughs> Heidi is dying. Heidi is dying. I mean, my next question is going to sound like such a non-survival person. Did you pet it? You know what? I held my breath as long as I could until I did that, like, huge, like, gasping out, take a breath in. And, um... I didn't, I did not move a, a tiny bit. Like I was just frozen <laughs> in there. And eventually it was so cool. I just fully relaxed. It was this giant cat purring beside me and I fell asleep. Um, it was oh, really so a magical You know that moment. they purr. They do purr. <laughs> that is absolute magic. That is absolute magic. It was totally magic. magic. Wow. Yeah, when that happened, I thought to myself, Oh my gosh, if this is the kind of things that can happen in this world, I want more of it. And I want to make my life dedicated to 
you know, getting all these magical experiences with nature. And I literally walked away from an American dream life and took off my shoes and became this wackadoodle survivalist, which I love you guys' term. <laughs> Heidi, does it does uh, interacting with a cougar uh, cat once once you to quit show business and just go out there to try to look for those experiences? Gonna be a big cat fan. Oh, I'm. I mean, now that I've heard that, that's probably the most inspiring thing I've ever heard to just go outside today. Like, if that's just a possibility. I mean, I think, like, I think we all have that hope. At least I do. Like, I've always wanted to be that person. Like, when you're on a hike and it's like, okay, I want this, like, nature experience that you hear about. Like, I want the feeling that's yeah. like, I've got to get back out here. Um and I do feel like as I'm getting older, I get that a little bit more and more. Um, that and also a yearning to connect with nature. But now I'm now I'm getting selfish. I want yeah. to connect with a cougar. <laughs> and and it's just you and the cougar. It's like a little moment that's just for you. That's got to feel so special. And then Nikki, do you, and then do you? Is that just the tip of the iceberg? Have you just had a life of of these? experiences where it's just you and nature and I guess you, you would just see stuff all the time right yeah and it was the tip of the iceberg and yeah I've had so many of those kinds of experiences I mean it really does happen it's been so incredible to you know just like you said develop that kind of connection and that freedom and that kind of no fear in in a way um, it's not like I go out there and I'm Timothy Treadwell, um, you know, but I do have a, I do have this. Who is that? I want to know the to reference. Let go of my fears, so. Oh, he's the guy who was the grizzly man. You know, they made a movie about him and he got eaten by oh, grizzly okay. bears. Got it, got it. <laughs> Nikki, so you are like obviously a big fan of animals. I have to say this, right? Like, cause you're a big fan of animals. So you love this cougar next to you. You love your pony. How did this connection with actually eating animals, uh, the killing and eating animals, like, fit in this picture? How did this, because I respect that, but I just want to know, like, what is, like, what are the feelings, you know, associated with that? Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, no, it's terrible. Um, I'm, I, it's terrible. I'm, I'm not... I'm not excited or, you know, have joy in being a trapper or hunter, that's for sure. Yeah. It's just awful. But um, I like being able to feed myself and know that I've done my best to harvest the cleanest and healthiest meats. And when I'm in a survival situation, I have no problem trapping and um, hunting um, game for to feed me. Oh, we've seen you do that. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Mm. So... Uh, but um, I, yeah, I'm not a hardcore hunter, trapper, fisherman. Um, when I live in the city, I'm a vegan. I fish to eat. You know, it's not a hobby for me. It's not a, it's not a, you know, I'm not out there enjoying myself per se. I do, There, I got involved in it mostly because when I was learning primitive skills, if I want to know how to tan my own hides or, you know, make teddy bears in the forest, <laughs> um, I need to know how to tan. And so for me, I was like, all right, I need to go and learn how to hunt because then I can become a better tracker. And the hunt actually is kind of this end result of all of your skills coming together in a way and then being able to honor that animal in the best way possible. So that's kind of how I got involved in hunting and taking it to that next level. Yeah, Nikki, I've, I've heard that with tracking, at least, you to become a good hunter or become a good tracker, you kind of have to become intimately aware of that animal and how the animal thinks. So in a way, in learning to hunt and take these animals, you do you do become closer to them, uh, almost more close than anyone else would be. Yeah, totally, I, exactly. Even just tracking down an animal to take some amazing photos, I mean, you really need to know the behavior of the animal and to be able to read the landscape and see all the signs that they've left behind that most people just walk by, you know, when you're, when you're hiking. There's animal signs everywhere. And it's just, a, it's a matter of, like you said, just developing that awareness, you know, with using your eyes, you know, wider and, and, and seeing the landscape in a new way, I think is what people generally don't 
look at when they look at hunters or or things like that it is it is developing yeah. that inner connection to them and you know as far as tracking them down and then finding them i mean that's kind of the the goal of any tracker right to see a fresh track and actually then see the animal it, yeah it's, it's a lot of sleuthing and um it's like a game it's really fun actually yeah i can see how that could be addicting i'd assume when this show alone <laughs> came out it hit yeah. like an atom it hit like a nuclear bomb in this small community small community of people that you were hanging out with right like you guys yeah. must have loved it um actually i was uh six years ago when it first came out the um producers uh contacted me and were like hey we heard about you i wrote this book um because i lived off the land for a year and a half where i live doing a primitive kind of you know fishing with bone hooks and stuff and i guess they had found me somehow and was like hey do you want to be on this television show or you know, could you go live in the woods for a year? And at that time I was like, yeah, totally can. I just did that. I'm like, what would be the point of that? And they're like, oh, uh, well, we're just developing it. And I was like, all right, we'll get back to me. And then they said, oh, hey, we're making a game show, a reality TV show. I was like, yeah, count me out. Just, you know, like, no, not interested. So then every year they contact me saying, hey, this is alone. Oh, you know, are you interested in being on our show? And I was like, yeah, I got, I got things going on guys. Thanks so much. That's awesome. But maybe next year. And so on, on this, on the last, on, I guess, season six, um, they called again, like, Hey, we're, you know, we're closing applications tomorrow, but we just wanted to see if you would. And I was like, Oh gosh, guys, thanks for calling. I don't know. And they're like, you don't want to win the $500,000. I was like, what? You've never told me it's $500,000. I was like, of course I'm interested. Like, wait, 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 wait. So you didn't even watch the previous seasons at this point? No. Had never seen it. No, you were like, I don't even care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and then I was like, what? Yeah, of course I want five, $500,000. Yeah, like, when are we leaving? Where do I have, what, how long do I have to prepare, you know? Um, and they were like, okay, um, yeah, send us in a video. And I was like, you don't, you have a video? Oh, I'll send you a video. And then, yeah, it just took off and I was on the show. Wow. Well, Zach, the creator, Zach Green, says that they had like about a thousand applications, like actual applications with people trying to reach out to them early on in like earlier seasons. And as they went big, like probably season six, they started getting like 20,000 applications. So like they're like either Zach is like either the bushcraft community is growing yeah. or like just like everybody's reaching out. Everybody's training to be on the show. But it's become like a, such a huge just number of people applying. Yeah. But uh, it's cool that they were reaching out to you and you were doing this. Yeah, there dance. is a huge yeah. movement. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> There's so many people. I mean, it's still pretty tight community. A lot of the people that go on the show know past participants. And it is still a decently small world, but it is way bigger. That's for sure. And people are like, there's YouTube videos all over the place. Like people are training and trying to get on this show for sure now. Definitely. I actually want to ask uh, Zeb and Heidi this question and then see what Nikki, how Nikki reacts to that. How do you remember Nikki from this, <laughs> from this show, right? I'm sorry if I put you on the spot. Like, so, uh, yeah, because like I saw season seven, like after I saw, yeah, I think season seven after I saw season six. So it's a little bit like distant in my totally. memory uh -huh. in the sense that I have now certain contained memories <laughs> of each participant. So I'm going to put you guys, two of you guys on the spot. And have you like described Nikki to me? Like if you were like, well, how was this contestant? What is she? Yeah, and don't hold it? back, guys. Don't hold back. We need the truth on this show, right? The truth. I think Nikki like, can give it up. Well, no, what, what was so awesome about Nikki was that like, I think we've been introduced to like a few like dudes before that were just like, I'm gonna like kill it at this. I've been training, da -da -da -da. I've been da -da -da -da. you know, just like boastful and so overly confident. And by the way, they like went home that day. But then um, Nikki was like, number one, she was like totally like saying, like, hey, I've lived off the land for a year and a half. Like, I, I can do this. Like, very confident. But she also. She was just very real. Like, she reminded me if, like, I was out there. Like, she, you know, when she would get an arrow in her leg, she'd be like, oh, man, are you kidding me? <laughs> an arrow in my leg? Come on. A mouse just bit me, dude. Come on. And it was like, yes, that's how, I don't know, in this weird way, like, this show that was so foreign to me and so not relatable, when she'd have those moments, I'm like, yes, I'm that girl. Like, that's. 
it's so <laughs> so cool to see someone be like such a badass and such a human at the same time like um and so that was just like really fun to watch and then yes she like made a teddy bear like that was like so sweet and <laughs> and now i get it because she slept next to a cougar like it was just it was very very fun and i i hate to say this because how how much you like genuinely kicked ass on the show but you were also comic relief which was awesome <laughs> yeah i had not seen i this was the first season we had watched so i had no idea like what to look out for i hadn't quite learned that the humility was one of the most important things so <laughs> when i saw, when i saw nikki not knowing anything i was like oh she has no idea what she's in for this is this is not going to go well and then when you injured yourself the first time, I was like, eh, here we go. She's out of here. But then, but then you just patched it up and kept going. And then I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then, and then you hit yourself with the arrow. And I was like, no, now she's going home. But no, you just patched it up and kept going. And so by the time you got bitten by the mouse, I was like, oh, no, she's fine. Like, and then... <laughs> Yeah, by, by the end of the season, we were rooting for you so hard just because mm -hmm. the fact that you kept that attitude through the, you know, going through that much hardship, it was so impressive. It was so uh, inspiring. And so we were, and, you know, I'm sure you were, you were bummed as well, as you could tell. That we were so bummed when you got pulled from the show. And it just, it, it never ceases to amaze me on that show how many things can go wrong when you're out there and in your case you were doing everything right you just weren't getting enough to eat yeah totally yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah that was yeah i i was bummed too because there were two women that stayed in the race for so long you were one of them right and i was like we're killing it like we're doing it i i haven't seen previous seasons but i feel like somebody made the spoiler a spoiler alert actually did a spoiler alert and said in the in this season that oh a woman never won before and i was like Ugh, like, yeah, and uh, it was a but yeah, like you didn't, you Nikki, you didn't, you know, give up, you didn't collapse. It was more of the rules, sort of. Uh, I'm sure you maybe have been in like a real life situation where you were skinnier than that, or was that like the the most emaciated you've ever been? Uh, I was pretty skinny the first time I tried going out <laughs> for a long time too, and I actually was telling them when they were, you know, checking you at med checks and stuff. I could see the look on their face, like, holy, oh, <laughs> this no. girl's getting skinny. Um, and uh, I mean, I never took my clothes off of the Arctic. I'm not bathing. Like, are you kidding? You'll freeze to death. <laughs> so I didn't really, you're just wearing a, so many layers. You just you know, I was happy and felt great, so it wasn't a concern for me, but I had gotten pretty skinny on a couple of survival treks. Um, maybe, like, maybe not quite as skinny as this. In fact, no, it was not as skinny, now that I can remember myself. The first All time right. I was in a, you know, hotel room with a mirror, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, there is some concern here. Um, uh, but, uh, that's, yeah. That's crazy. You would have fooled me. Yeah, you would have fooled me because you always had like the attitude to get through the show like to get through the show i wasn't worried about you um like even when you like were upset it felt just like part of like energy flowing through you and then you were like boom connected again to everything totally. that was happening around yeah you. it was really an incredible journey for me too honestly um i've been a pretty upbeat human being in my life but i did have major I don't know, transformations happening out there on that show that are kind of behind the mm. scenes. And uh, I, it really was like miraculous, some of the things. And to be injured as the most renowned injuries of all time on alone, <laughs> and I'm trying to hold that. Definitely not. Please believe it or not, you know, like, um, I will hold that title, I'm sure, for many more seasons. Um, it, it really, it was so ridiculous. Like, it was almost like I don't want to even move right now. I feel like, you know, people are like, you have the worst luck ever. And I was like, actually, you know what? My mom's always told me I was born with a horseshoe up my butt. So I don't know where this <laughs> is going from. Um, it was, <laughs> it, was uh, it was really amazing to have all these things happen. You know, my shelter burns down, uh, just everything. And to be able to come back and be like, hey, no big deal. Just keep keep on going. You know, that's what survival is. And I think that was... I think why people have been 
um, I don't know, just more drawn to the story um, that they made of that, of my journey, because, you know, that's what life is. And that's what COVID is right now, right? Like, it, it is about finding that joy in anything. It doesn't have to be cougars lying down beside you. It can be a bird that comes and sings beside you, or, you know, or a really pretty rock you see or something. And, and that's how I walked every day out there. Every day was like the best day of my life. It was really, really wow. And then getting pulled out obviously sucked super bad. <laughs> it was totally traumatized oh, by that. It was just like yeah, a big uh, crane came down and like washes you out of there and you're like, ah, oh, I will. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's interesting when people get yanked. A lot of them, they seem sort of most affected by the fact that they don't get to say goodbye properly to what to what to the the wilderness it's like they're just there one day and then suddenly they're on they're being yanked out was that will you kind of take us through like how long did it take you to get over that how long were you chewing on that after you got yanked out of there uh yeah it was super traumatic i'm not gonna paint a you know happy picture for me um i i went to the hospital right away they had a um they boated me and had a plane waiting for me right away and I went to a hospital um, to get you know tested in that and uh, nothing was there was nothing out of the ordinary wrong I was just skinny so um, I left but there you know the producers and crew were super worried you know that I could be having some problems um, nothing nothing happened from it but I did have to stay in a hotel for four or so nights um, where people were you know refeeding me and you know you drink bone broth for days and weeks and just really slowly integrating food so that you did it taste really good though oh it you know what when they first gave it to me uh i was like no i'm not eating that so like i have a rabbit right here you know kind of thing and <laughs> they were like uh no you need to eat something and i literally wasn't like i want a chocolate chip cookie it, it wasn't like that for me it is for other people but for me i was like no i'm not and then when I was at the hospital, the doctor was like, hey, um, they're like, don't you think she needs intravenous? And he's like, not really, do you think you do? And I was like, no, I feel fine. And he was like, well, do you want a juice box? I was like, ooh, I would love a juice box, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> which was kind of nice. But then I, um, it took me, um, it took me two, about two weeks. Um, they brought me back out to location. Um, you know, they did everything you can imagine possible to help me reintegrate back into the world. Um, it was a really hard journey for me. I got to say, I kind of, my mind wasn't so, um, mm. it was just caught in darkness for quite a while. And um, yeah, they really helped me. I got to wander the landscape again. Um, obviously mm -hmm. I was fully with sat radios and everything. So I wouldn't run away back to the wilderness. <laughs> they were like, please don't leave. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I spent about two weeks. And um, yeah, after two weeks, they actually um, helicoptered me back to my site so that I could help tear down my shelter and have a really nice closure as best as I could. So oh, good. yeah, they went above and beyond to help me. That's um, really nice. Get back to and yeah, I came back finally like, hey, guys, I'm totally healed. I'm love you guys um and flew home and you know started yeah. a new life as a new person it was pretty exciting wow yeah it is such a like hero's journey and it's such a traumatic experience and you're saying you're an upbeat person but of course like darkness like you're saying entered um your soul and you had to probably work totally. through a lot of that because you're you know like what you do day to day is very introspective so it's not something you're gonna like go you know like in this the rest of the world and talk to a psychiatrist or whatever i'm although maybe you do but i'm just saying there's a lot of time spent alone for you and mm -hmm. uh that introspection can be healing or it could be further damaging but i assume that like it's getting back to the things the way things are for you on a daily basis is what got you out of this right that you probably do feel eventually healed um mentally from yeah. this experience yeah for yeah. sure i i had been through some trauma in my life before so it was kind of like all right like i'm gonna get myself out of this dark hole and i'm gonna find my way back you know and 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 i wasn't willing to leave until i had what i had out in the arctic and 
everybody was really willing to, you know, bring me, I need some crayons, I need some paper, I need some journals. Um, and I just journaled and went out into nature and was like, hey, I don't feel good about this. So go and talk and, you know, I, I didn't feel really good about the hair, my last hair I caught. And I went out there and was like, hey, I just, I need to make peace with this in my mind. And four seconds later, like nine rabbits circled around me and then a fox came out of the woods and sat there with me. And I was like, okay, I feel so good now, thank you. Um, so I did these kind of <laughs> things. Um, <laughs> animals seem to love you, whatever you do to uh, them. Yeah. Well, animals love us all, I, I have to say. And, and I have been figuring out how to have these things happen to people that just come with me. So that's kind of my new, new journey is bringing people in to learn a little bit how to see through my eyes and give them help nature, give them experiences too, you know. And is that in Colorado that you're doing that, like, full-time? Uh, no, I'm starting a new company. I live in um, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, okay. But you're in the Rockies now? Is that right? Yeah, Canada Rockies. Canada Rockies. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's safe up in old... <laughs> A vanilla Canada in the Great White North right now. <laughs> uh, I actually want to do again a round of hearing from Zeb and Heidi. What did you guys take from the show that, like, let's say, let's say you felt confident enough to go on the show. Like, you know, imagine you had more skills than you do. What would be, like, your strategy based on yeah. what you learn from the show going in. And then I want to hear from Nikki, like what she thinks of that. Like, because I know there's different factors and everybody has different strategies and there's the choice of maybe like there's something you learn based on like, what can you bring with you? Or there's something I have to avoid. Or, like, I just want to hear anything and then hear the expert sort of weigh in. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm watching the show right because whenever I see anyone on the show doing anything but fishing or trying to catch food i'm like what are you what are you doing what are you doing why are you doing that you need to you need to get food you need to get food you need to get food that's all i can think of so he gets so mad when someone I get, builds a boat yeah so, you idiot <laughs> yeah if someone builds a boat i'm furious i just think it's such a waste of time I, I, in, in my mind i would get a bare minimum shelter and then I would be fishing for like 16 hours a day. But I guess there's not enough sunlight to do that. Um, so that's my only strategy. But I'm, I, I know for a fact I would be in deep trouble. <laughs> yeah, I feel like whenever, whenever I watch... Okay, so I would definitely have the gill net. That's, and, you know, hope for the best on the gill net. And then... Um, for some reason, okay, this is going to sound crazy, but I say this now, but the being alone part of it and the, like, just being in your own thoughts, um, I actually would welcome that just, for, just of all the, like, seasons I've watched, the, just the healing and the revelations that people have made and the processing of things, I, I like that a lot. Um, I honestly get more scared so the fear of the dark yes and the fear of a bear yes but i i keep thinking that like there actually might be another person out there <laughs> and so that actually for some reason scares me more that like the arctic is stalked by like a serial killer so the, well, there's a there's a big burly serial <laughs> yes. killer out there in a big winter coat some goose yes. tails yeah, so I'm just scared of, like, the Arctic stalker. So you think you'd be scared at night, of not of a cougar, but of J yeah. Jason Voorhees? Yes, because I've seen creepy... I've seen and been around creepy people in the world. I've never really been growled at. So, I mean, right. <laughs> maybe if I'm growled at by a bear, then I'd change my mind. You probably would, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. But, um... Yeah, so I don't know if that's strategy. That's just my thoughts going into my alone experience. <laughs> Nikki, what do you think of that? What are, what is what is what do you think of what we just heard from Zeb and Heidi and what was your if any like strategy going in? 
Yeah, I, I would actually say, Zeb, you and I are on the exact same page. I, I'm never going to sit and, you know, whittle a spoon. I'm just going to eat off a piece of slab that's come off my knife, you know? I'm going to work like you guys saw the show. <laughs> I built basically a lean-to with a tarp. Like, that's it. I was like, it was like a gnome home. It was super, I couldn't stand up. And I was like, I'm going to build something I can stand up and cruise around and then forget it. Like, I'm just going to hunker down, you know? everything was the same for me like, i'm not making a chair no way that i could be right. like checking right. my trap line like i'm just gonna set my fire <laughs> people make really cool stuff and i love making cool stuff too don't get me wrong i mean i love making baskets and all these kinds of things too but i was just totally you i was like no way and i will say like one day i was like i'm gonna hike to the top of this mountain and look over the other side you know there could be something good there and i'm like about three quarters of the way up i'm like this was the dumbest mistake I make fun of people doing this kind of shit. Uh -huh, you know? uh -huh. Why would I waste my energy to have up here? And then I got to the top and I did see another lake. So I was like, ooh, there could be fish in there because I didn't really have a fishing spot until it froze. Um, but then I was like, oh God, I don't want to walk all the way down there and have to walk all the way back if there's nothing. So um, I, I, my strategy was that too. I'm just going to be simple. I'm going to be able to walk and hike every day, check in trap lines. And I actually thought I'd be fishing and you know, hauling in these big fish on the lake too, as a fisherman, I was just like, yeah. you know, it was pretty, um, I will say my strategy, I fished a little too long. So I, I tried every, tons of different kinds of ways to catch a fish out there and finally gave up. And I think I probably spent maybe a week too long or 10, you know, maybe uh -huh. a little bit too long trying to catch a fish when I, I knew I just didn't have much of a structure. So that's probably the one thing that I was like, ah, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping too hard that I was going to catch a fish. And when reality was like, Hey, move on, you know? Right. Um, so yeah. And how much over, over that 50 some days, do you know how much you ate? Do you have an idea of how many hairs, how many fish and, and what else did you eat yeah, there? Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I think I have a rough idea. Um, I I mostly ate, to be honest. I most I I harvested a ton of mushrooms and I dried those things out in a dehydrator. And I had a ton of mushrooms and berries that I was eating and felt amazing from. Um, I eat like a bird normally, so you know, not eating much food isn't a real big deal for me. Um, and uh, and I ate. I think I trapped. Gosh, there was one rabbit. And it took me a month to get him. He was just, oh, he was so infuriating. Um, I think I probably had only four or five rabbits and maybe three wow. or four squirrels. Um, I had really a small amount of food that I ended up catching. Um, it just, it was, the Arctic was tough. Um, it was a real tough yeah. place. And so, yeah, it was like a miracle i lasted that long honestly, with the amount of food that i had i didn't i wasn't able to get out on the ice to catch a fish um which would have just one fish for me would have been amazing you know with the fat and stuff um so i was basically yeah i found like five green leaves to eat the whole time right i, I had like three wow. roots i dug <laughs> basically that was it um it was it was the arctic you know um i wanted to ask about that because obviously going out and surviving off the land is going to be challenging no matter where you are but there are there i would assume there are situations that are less challenging than the arctic where you could go out and survive because you've done it before right and so can you yeah. talk about like you know the other situations you've been in was it easier was the food more plentiful and in those situations is it a little easier to be out there by yourself well i would actually say the arctic is really plentiful i mean like there was lots of hares and stuff at, in the arctic um obviously there was moose and we've seen in the last one a muskox and stuff i mean there is food there it's just um i think every landscape can give you what you need to survive and live on um it's just where you are uh, it's just luck of the draw sometimes it's just you happen to be in the right spot it's maybe you've you know, maybe you haven't hiked somewhere where there's more hair, or maybe you just didn't, you know, see this spot. I, I think a lot of people um, think, oh, well, somebody's site's better than others. And, uh, you know, it's nature, obviously, they're all different. But I, I honestly don't think that 
especially on a loan, you know, sites matter a whole bunch. You know, I know that for people who've been on the show and people who watch it, like that guy has a better spot and everybody complains about how Mm -hmm. their spot sucks. I remember Jordan complaining about it really hard. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan complained and he won the show, you know, and (laughs) Jordan's amazing. I love that guy. I love that guy. So, you know, I just feel like nature's going to provide. I really believe that. Are you guys stay in touch? I was going to ask. I, I was told that you guys stay in touch and you're best, fr- like best friends, seriously, with the rest <laughs> of contestants. And I was just going to ask, is that the case? How much did you know about them? And did you like, guys just like meet on the, like a helicopter quickly and then like never heard from each other until the end? Or, and then it became like Instagram friends. Like wh- what is your, how is your relationship with the other contestants? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so when I... You know, we get to hang out for about two weeks before, you know, um, meeting each other and, um, you know, you're getting assessed and everything or whatever. And so you meet them there and then, you you know, you're doing your own assessment like, OK, this guy, this girl or whatever. And right away, I was like, oh, Jordan, number one, you know, like, oh, my gosh, the guy lived in oh, Siberia and he's got the Siberia. most amazing I'm from Siberia. Yeah, I would die yeah, in two so hours. I, yeah. Yeah. He had just a great attitude, just loved him. You know, the survival attitude he had was just brilliant. So, um, and I think after the show, when, but when I was there, honestly, I was like a hermit going into alone. Um, people irritated mm. me. I, I'm not saying I wasn't a nice person, but I certainly wasn't there to make friends with people who were going to go in a competition for $500,000. No, I'm in my tent studying or I'm in the woods learning something. So I really wasn't, I would say, if you asked anybody, they were like, I don't really know Nikki. She kind of stuck to herself and, you know, yelled at us when we stayed up too late, you know, talking and yakking. <laughs> so, um, but then since the show, I was like, We'd be calling each other, being like, hey, how are you? This is Nikki. And they're like silent on the end of the phone. Like, oh, hey. I was like, yeah, I had like some like amazing changes. Like, I love people. How are you doing? Like, I really care about you now. Um, so it was really fun to, um, to kind of be this incredibly different human being. And yeah, we do keep in touch. We have like secret Facebook pages where it's just aloners. Nice. Um, so we can help each other and in our... Um, you know, the, the coming back to the world and your health, um, we have a lot of issues. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We have a lot of issues and it takes a lot to get healthy again. Um, and so we're all there supporting each other. It's really, Damn. really beautiful. So, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Do you think you're still carrying some kind of scars from the show? And would you do the show again if you, had, if you knew oh, the outcome? Yeah. yeah, we all have PTSD. Yeah, there's no doubt every aloner has PTSD in some way. (laughs) Um, And I joke about it, but it is serious. I mean, we do. We've gone through a life-changing experience. And that's what makes this show, I think, so powerful for fans and people who watch it is because it is the most authentic show, I think, on television. Um, We really are out there filming ourselves and, and bearing our souls to the camera, some of us. you know, It was like a decision you have to mentally make like am i willing to share with the world everything about me like stabbing myself with my own arrow i mean who wants to film that and do that on you know to the world but um there was this really limiting thing that happened for me when i did that i was like okay i'm willing to do this no matter what happens i'm gonna have the camera rolling and the most Uh embarrassing the most like you know, sad, I don't care. And, you know, I will say it changed me fundamentally as a human being to not be afraid of who I am anymore. And I think that's something that we all struggle with as modern people that, you know, it's hard to be truly who you are in this world. And if you can film yourself and stab yourself and burn your house down and, you know, do all the crazy things that happen to me out there, I mean, there is nothing I can't do in my life anymore. Yeah, so it's pretty it's pretty incredible experience that we're allowed to have on this show. That's for sure. I'm super grateful for Alone and the people who run it there. They really do care about us. Wow. It, it, despite the PTSD to say <clears throat> that it's really um, it's really, uh, I think, cool of you to be that way. And I mean, the the fact of like, like I like how Heidi said that, like, she's actually would welcome to be alone and be alone with your thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like apparently and i heard again from zach green the creator of the show that like 
after about three weeks, 21 day mark is when people change. Um, this is when about like when people really start either going one way or the other way mentally. Uh, and it has to do again with such extended number of days that you're alone. So was there a switch for you, Nikki, or did you like just take it day by day and you didn't really feel all this amount of time being alone is getting to me? Oh yeah. Interesting. Um, I actually was really excited about being alone. And in fact, when they would come and do medical checks and stuff, I go, I'd be, Hey, like, is this show not called alone? Like, why are you here? I don't want to see you. Like, you're off. Um, just like, I don't want human contact. Like, you know, other people may, but I just leave me alone, you know, coming by i'm fine you know um and so uh yeah i i there was moments though absolutely did you just hate them because they like eating donuts like probably the 15 minutes before they got there <laughs> yeah some people and i know it happened to many people over the years you know they come in and you could be like oh man it's they smell like some sandwich or they just had lunch or something um people People talk about that, you know, they're like having a steak and then they're like, hey, we're here. And people could smell the, the residues of their food on them. I actually didn't. I really wasn't. I, I just felt I just felt full somehow on eating berries and mushrooms and stuff. I, I didn't I wasn't obsessed with the food. That wasn't my journey. Um, so I, that I didn't notice. It was just them being there. It was just always such an inconvenience to me, I felt like. And. Um, it, it was really That's funny amazing. just to tease them about, you know, leaving me alone. But <laughs> I, I, the, I did have moments to answer your question. I did have moments, you know, they're really great about giving you time to be alone. I mean, the whole show is alone. They do not want to have contact with you. And so if you run out of batteries, you know, they do these blind drops and they'll just leave a bag for you. And they do do medical checks. And I don't know exactly how many, you know, how, if it's every two weeks, I don't remember any of that. Um, I know that when I got skinny and I was, you know, under the radar and they were really concerned about me and my health. Um, they were coming much more frequently mm. to, to weigh me mm -hmm. and, you know, check mm. all my vitals and stuff. So when that was happening, I knew, oh my gosh, like, you know, I, I could be pulled. So it was a concern for mm -hmm. me to gain weight. And I know that they were like, Hey, you get, you know, you got to start gaining some weight. And I know one day they came in and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like I had a rabbit. I just ate the whole thing right away. I was drinking pounding water and mm -hmm. I actually gained like a yeah. pound or two. And I was like, yes, <laughs> they were just like, what? How did you possibly gain any weight? I was like, Hey, you told me how to gain some weight. Bugger off. You know, and they're like, all right. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> no, off they go. It's pretty fun. Yeah, but I did have changes. Like you said, there was moments where all of a sudden I was a different person. Just like you said, Sasha, there was yeah. there was moments where all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I felt like a star just struck me. I'm a totally different human being. Um, um, there was those moments that happened that I knew something was different. Whoa. And that's when you started making those rabbits and making those <laughs> like little no, I puppy theater. I always have a teddy bear and that's nothing new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to actually again go to Zeb and Heidi real quick and ask them because I know it's a big like choice that the survivalists have to make. And I want to hear what is their take on that. So, guys, shelter, food or water. What is the priority the moment you get there? And what do you need to take care of? I think I already know what Zeb's going to say, but I still <laughs> want to hear from you. Because I feel like that is like something Zach Green talked about. Like there's like a big, con and Nikki, correct me if I'm wrong once we get to you. Uh, but apparently it is the thing of like food, shelter, or water. What are you going to attack first? What is going to be the priority to you? I think for me, it's shelter just to knock it out. That seems daunting. So at least a base and then to know like I can like work on it from there but like that I'll be in slightly enclosed that first night yeah and then I'd probably go water and then food I think just I know I talked a lot about food but just physiologically <laughs> I think it has to be water and then shelter and then food right because it's just you can go longer without food uh, you know, I, I feel like if you didn't have shelter on the wrong night or 
during a rainstorm might be the end of your yeah your trip so but then you don't want to build a shelter where you can't get water so I, I would have to do water shelter food okay Nikki okay what are you is is that a real thing that I just asked that I heard from Zach okay it totally and tell is. me what do you think and what totally we call it the sacred yeah. order of survival I mean it really is a thing and and actually people on alone they've documented this thing called drop shock where people forget these initial things you should do and just don't know what to do because they're like oh now i just don't even know what to do and they forget about this sacred order survival and so um i've kind of adapted my own sacred order survival i definitely obviously breathing is pretty high up there but you know actually taking <laughs> a real deep breath <laughs> will actually mm -hmm. solve all your problems you know initially so mine is like actually breathing taking some deep breaths so you're not panicked otherwise you just panic and once you've panicked you're breathing really shallow and um getting cold and what so so mine's breathing and then my next one is laughter if you can't make fun of yourself or something then you're in a world of hurt out there too so <laughs> And then shelter. Uh, shelter is the next thing because because you can actually, you know, if it's you get hypothermia, you can last longer being thirsty than you can, you know, getting mm -hmm. hypothermia or, um, you know, being cold or being too hot or being in the sun. So shelter is the next thing you build above anything else. And then um, it's kind of different today. I would say water is next but because you sometimes have to boil water now you can't drink it you know fire is kind of moved up a little bit but water is next mm. and then um shelter, mm -hmm. water um fire i would say would be next after yeah, water fire and then there. Mm -hmm. yeah food is way down there you know and then s'mores yeah. or something Which is nice yeah. but <laughs> you can last like 30 days without eating right so I mean, you're not looking good. You're crawling around. You're all gaunt and <laughs> fart marshal bill look and stuff. <laughs> but you're laughing at yourself. That's the good news. You're laughing away. Fire marshal. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I heard Zach Green, and he said the same thing of like to to him, like if he were to survive. Uh, be the survival situation. He would choose shelter above all because if you if you're not ready for that first night, you're screwed. Mm. And I, I, you know, I didn't want to talk in this episode like bad or anything about any of the contestants, but uh, it is a thing of like I, uh, one person in season seven, I believe, that like took just a long time to build his shelter, and uh, I was just very worried for him, and I like knew he wasn't gonna probably go far because. The shelter just kept being like on the bottom of his priorities for whatever you know yeah. reason, and that seemed like a poor choice uh, in the Arctic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally, <laughs> it was cold. I remember the first night you're, you, they give me a tarp, right, and something that you're allowed to have, and I, I really hadn't camped with tarps that much, right? It's mostly just brush or whatever. And I remember like pulling it out going, wow, this thing is huge. And I made the worst tarp shelter ever. I'm so glad <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I was like, oh my gosh, if the survival expert shows up to see how I'm doing in like five days, he's gonna look at this thing like, wow, we picked her. <laughs> it was the worst. And it snowed right away. And the thing just caved in and it was about six inches tall. Was it was so funny. I was like, wow. I have like as we're wrapping up I just had like one final question that I wanted to hear if Zeb and Heidi have any questions but to me okay so this is just because I'm like kind of a you know I do like dog competitive dog sports and like whatever I'm a competitive person so yeah. to me it's part of the fun of living and uh, I would like if you said like when you said like you met Jordan and you were like Jordan, you like freaking knew or whatever. You suspected this fucker it might win the show. <laughs> totally. whatever, you know, shout out. You know, you're like, fuck this guy. No. So then like you go in the wilderness and you like struggling, right? Oh, yeah. How much do you think of this motherfucker? Like, do you think of Jordan a lot? Do you like do you go like, well, what's Jordan doing? He's like eating like a feast now? What is going on? Like, how much of that like competitiveness slash not looking not like eyes in your own paper but eyes completely somewhere else and you uh thinking like where where were you like throughout this journey in terms of thinking of other contestants 
Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a super competitive family where my dad was like, if you played checkers, it was like world championship when you're six. You know, I mean, everything was about winning. Everything was, you know, number one, number one, you know, and you're just like trained as a tiny toddler. You're like, ah. Um, so for me, like kind of getting over that, just I can't be happy if I'm not winning. It took me like my lifetime to kind of get over that. And I will say, I'm actually glad that once I got to alone and was in this really high stakes competition, that I didn't have kind of this unhealthy <laughs> competitive thing that I used to have. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really competitive. There's no doubt. When I saw Jordan at, you know, when we were all getting chosen, I was like, oh, this fucker, he's so good. You know, I was, <laughs> I, I, I at least didn't have the old, like, I hope, you know, his shelter burns down on him. I wasn't feeling that, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> Thank God. I will when I was on my a survival truck with a friend. I was like, God, I hope that fish hook breaks. It looks so good. I'm so jealous of it. But I did get over that. And so, honestly, <laughs> when when I was out there, I felt bad sometimes because I never thought of them at all. In fact, I forgot some of their names and I actually forgot Jordan's name out there. And I would sometimes think about him like, and I just called him Siberia. Like that was his name to me because I couldn't uh, remember it. Music and, to my ears. Like, oh, Siberia's yeah. out here loving this cold right now. I know it. You know, I'm in there warming <laughs> my fingers, like trying to not have frostbite on my toes. Um, and so I rarely thought of them. I it just... I wanted the money every day. I thought about the money. I got to say every day I was like, all right, I'm one step closer to the 500 grand. Like that's what I'm here. I'm never tapping out. Um, And that is what drove me. I mean, I wanted the money. Yeah. I mean, and that's much better to look at, you know, the prize in front of you. Right. And think about whoever you left behind, which is such a theme on alone. Whenever they start thinking about like their little kitties, little (laughs) like wives and stuff like that, you're like, they're fucked. The moment they start talking too much about how much like their little daughter they want to hold. I'm like, dude, like, you're not gonna, like Jordan never talked about that. Like he was like, oh, like my kid's birthday is today. Like she's yeah. really smart, like whatever. He was like talking about it like a proud dad, but he wasn't like just like wailing like, oh my God, like it's like, I want to be next to my kids. It's like, dude, well, the whole reason you're here is probably because of your kids. I so know. I don't know. No, no. Uh, it's only a few months. Yeah. We're not living out there for years. It's a few months. You get to escape people and your yeah. family, like get over it. Yeah, I, I wasn't missing anyone. I was like, sorry, man, I'm coming home with this bag of money on my shoulder. Like I'm not missing anything. I got like 60 days, seven many days out here in the and I'm uh, I am coming home with that money um so yeah it was, I never missed anything I wasn't like oh I really want a pizza I mean there's no way I was going to torture myself like <laughs> there's that. a lot of that though from other people yeah, yeah. And, and people yeah. have different journeys you know it's just it's who you are in the moment you're out there and what life lessons you're gonna nature's gonna throw at you and it is different for everybody and I think for me I had already kind of experienced a very long period of time in the woods without anything. And literally I didn't have a radio at that point. I'm just dead, you know, nobody's coming to get me. Like I'm just eaten by something or dead or, um, so yeah, you literally would have to stuff a branch in your arm if you cut it off and, you know, row yourself home or whatever you're going to do. So I think my mind had already learned those lessons of things that happened to you out there. Um, and so it just didn't dwell on things that, are unimportant you know i've already experienced those. yeah yeah so i think i had a little head start on some of those classic alone lessons that we see on the show mm-hmm. well that's cool so oh, okay since just the last thing i said if you thought roland went against roland welker went against jordan who would win and again i know like the only reason i'm comparing them not because maybe they're the best but because they feel like they fall in a similar category of preparedness and oh like good question oh putting me on the spot uh, i would say i, I know would i want to i want to get um, the dirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that answer um but only if there's was two contests i would like to see them in the desert uh in a in a Ooh. landscape that they were not familiar with yeah. Um, and then yeah. I think it'd be like a an an equal battle in a way in something new where it wasn't uh, where you had to come up with absolutely new ideas. You know, when you're used to an area, um, you have a little bit of an advantage because you're used to the weather and you're used to the train and the animals and stuff. But if 
I'd like to see people being put out in the landscapes that they just have no idea. It's so much fun not having it. It looks like, you know, and you're just... <laughs> yeah, and like Zach said, like the reason they won't put people in like a hot place, and I don't know if Desert falls into that category in specifically what he was saying, yeah. that there's just so many chances of an insect, certain like mosquito, like certain <laughs> yeah. bite that would like give oh, yeah. him only like seconds to live <laughs> and there's like not enough time for the helicopter to come and save them. Yeah, definitely. I can't imagine yeah. it's going to be in some tropical or and there's no way. I mean, it's dangerous yeah. enough. Yeah. Like, there's way too many things and things that can bite you and uh, yeah so i think it'll be in a cold climate and i like the idea of cold climates it's pretty it's it's pretty hardcore um zeb and heidi anything you want to ask nikki or any final thoughts i have a question so we live in the city i mean i've usually grown up in um in the city and but i don't like i said earlier like as i get older I do feel like I'm yearning to connect with nature more and do you recommend anything for yeah even someone that's like in New York City every day like (laughs) things that I could do just to get me more in touch with that part of myself and get more connected yeah absolutely Um, I think we have this idea that in order to connect with nature, we have to go to the wilderness, you know, or go to some extreme length. Like it's all extreme, extreme, you know, if I'm not way out in the middle of nowhere, I can't actually connect with nature. And honestly, it's right out that door. And um, I've been to New York. I love you, New York. And uh, you have green spaces. I mean, you have places that you can go and I would try to, pick something that you're interested in. Like for me, the first thing that I started learning was about plants. Not that I thought it was interested in plants, but I just started having some cool experiences with trees and plants. And there's like this incredible world of food, wild food and medicines that are just, you know, in the grown in the cracks of the cement really. And, um, you know, get yourself a field guide and, you know, start being this like nerd a little bit about learning about a couple plants around and you'll be surprised like the road that it can lead you down to, um, to being more connected. So if you're into birds, you know, pick up a field guide or pick up, you know, one of my um, kind of heroes is John Young. He talks about learning about understanding bird language and you can literally know what birds are saying out your window. Um, they are talking wow. and and you can know what's going on. You'll know when that coyote is walking down the street. You'll know when a hawk is, you know, in the sky from what the birds are saying. Um, so pick wow. something of nature that That's you're drawn amazing. to, whether it's animals or, um, and just start simple, you know, just start locally. You don't need to go to the wilderness to have cougars sleeping by you. I've been in the city and my very first nature experience was in the city in my mom's apartment downtown vancouver and as crazy as this sounds a tree talked i don't know what happened believe me i didn't think trees talked but i heard some crazy voice one morning when i went out and noticed this tree and i was like i've never seen this tree before but i've been here forty thousand times out this balcony and it was flowering and at the time you guys i didn't even think trees flowered i mean that's how far away from nature i was and I heard this voice go, do you know my name? And I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I'm not tripping, I'm not on drugs. And then it did it again. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I am so freaked out right now. Um, and then oh, I just man. was like, uh, no, I don't. And I felt so embarrassed in this moment that I'd seen this tree probably 80,000 times. And I didn't even notice it, let alone knew its name. And I ran up and got a field guide from a local bookstore. I came back and um, it was the mountain ash. And you, know, you could eat the berries and you know, the, you could rub them on your scalp for lice and you can make jam out of them. And it was this really magical tree and blah, blah, blah. And it started me on this life that I'm living now, you know, so it is everywhere. New York, it doesn't matter. Um, there is something where you can get started to reconnect yourself to. Awesome. Wow. Thank cool. you. Do domesticating animals have that nature in them would you say nikki like dogs and oh definitely definitely absolutely you can connect to your pets 
and let them lead you through <laughs> the park. You know, everybody walks with their dogs and tells them where to go. You know, start walking where your dog or cat goes and they'll take you on awesome <laughs> adventures in the forest, you know? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for uh, talking to us today and thanks for your openness on the show. I really do think that show and seeing all of you go through that stuff has been like some sort of medicine for people uh, during the quarantine. Mm -hmm. So really do appreciate it. And I guess just my one question would be, what, what are you doing up in Canada? Like what kind of services are you offering? What kind of classes are you doing? Yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook and social media and stuff, but I'm, I'm actually in the process of starting a new company. Um, I used to do tours where I lived and, you know, showed people wild foods and make picnics and sticks for people. But um, I'm actually going to start a business that's more on the lines of um, <laughs> I want to uh, for their own type of journey that is obviously not alone suffering, <laughs> but I want to. <laughs> help people reconnect with nature in, in these kind of magical ways and um, and face their fears of whatever it is in their life. And uh, I think there's going to be a really powerful um, new kind of travel company that I'm designing right now based well, on awesome. what people are yearning for right now in their life. Um, so it's definitely not going to be, uh, yeah, living in some stick hut with leaves as your blanket, unless you want to. Um, I'm trying to bridge the world for people who are not like myself. Um, I'm trying to be that bridge for the, you know, primitive world and the modern world and, and people. I just feel like there's not much of a bridge for people who are living in the city or disconnected more than other people. And so I want to try to be that bridge for people. Wow, cool. Awesome. Well, I think you are. So keep it, keep tuned. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep checking. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. What a freaking treat, man. You reached out and it's just hearing from you uh, elevated, I think me on so many levels so i really appreciate that thank you guys so much and you know thank you guys for your podcast i absolutely loved your last alone podcast it was so funny i was in <laughs> yeah thanks guys so much it was so much fun all right well thank you zeb and heidi also for coming on what a treat of good course. to see you guys good to see you too follow us on twitter and instagram at shut up i love it one thank you elizabeth salute for the artwork Thank you, Bri Walker, for the amazing theme music. And thank you for listening.